0: think about the word persecution, what is it for you that comes to your mind? When you think about persecution, what comes first to your mind? I usually think about things like the Roman Colosseum back in the early centuries, or the Protestant Reformation, or perhaps even the season during the Cold War behind uh, the Iron Curtain and communist governments, or even in Uganda and Africa, the martyrs that are so famous there during uh, the reign of Eden. I mean, current estimates by a ministry called Open Doors. uh, They have a a list that they've been publishing for many years called the World Watch List. And what it does is it catalogs persecution around the globe. And and they rank the top 20 countries by their criteria of the most persecuted places around the world, country in which to live if you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And uh, just this year, they have elevated Nigeria, just for instance. Up in the top ten, Nigeria now ranks on their list as number nine of the most persecuted places to live in the world uh, to be a Christian. We have actually been praying with our brothers, Phoebe and Gambo, uh, from Nigeria about the, the events of recent months and weeks of violence happening there. But Nigeria today currently ranks number two on their list in violence and number one for those killed for their faith. Terrible terrible reality. And there are many countries, many places around the world where it is dangerous, highly dangerous, to be a follower of Jesus and to make that known publicly. And when I think about persecution, I don't know about you, but my mind usually races there, races to the, the idea, of the singular focus on martyrdom about persecution. And uh, when I think about Uh, in the U.S. and what Christians face in the U.S. either uh, in real or uh, perceived persecution. In my mind, at least, it often seems minor to what I think about in those extreme moments that are very real in our world, places like Somalia today or North Korea even. And perhaps I am helped, and maybe it would be helpful to you too, if, if your mind is like mine and you think about persecution from that singular lens of martyrdom, Perhaps it would be helpful for us to think from a bit of a wider perspective and uh, perhaps a, a sort of spectrum, a spectrum of persecution, a spectrum of negativity toward Christian faith that one might encounter in life. Because in the Bible, the Bible doesn't merely talk about persecution as martyrdom alone. But the Bible seems to approach the idea of persecution and negative responses to Christian faith or to the teachings of Jesus, even to Jesus himself. There's a negative response at times, and the Bible seems to have a spectrum from sort of soft persecution all the way up to the idea of someone losing their life because of his or her faith. The scriptures talk about everything from scoffing at Jesus all the way up to the to death of people, and a lot of marks in between of that which is a negative response toward the Christian faith, and perhaps a spectrum in our world. In our day today, might look a little like what's on your screen today. I'm trying to create a little spectrum where uh, it might start from just simple scoffing and name-calling. Back in 2006, even right here in the Bay Area in San Francisco, there was a, a Christian evangelical ministry that gathered 25,000 youth. From around the country and around this region, particularly, uh, to to call out what they described as in the the culture, it is uh, its negative effects of media and pop culture on virtues in in living. And one of the supervisors in San Francisco was quoted as say uh, saying this, that, saying that this group they that they were uh, rude and obnoxious and and disgusting. San Francisco Chronicle editorially took issue with that response, uh, crying out that uh, how ironic it was of uh, how intolerant that that response was to that particular group. That might be an example, perhaps, on one end of the spectrum of name-calling, of scoffing at and ridiculing, uh, and then all the way over to the other end, from discrimination and, and intimidation to uh, the confiscation of property or uh, the... the Uh, Undermining of one's livelihood because of their faith response and faith uh, profession, uh, or even imprisonment for a season, and then, of course, into martyrdom, like we have looked at. Maybe, maybe, in your life today, you have faced some form of persecution. Perhaps plotted somewhere on this spectrum, or uh, uh, this is just a spectrum I've made up. Maybe you use different terms and create a spectrum that's a little differently, but maybe you have faced some form of persecution in your life, whether it's humiliation or harassment or some other negativity because of your faith. I, I do remember years ago, we used to rent an office at a previous church down in Tidoron, and uh, we uh, sub led an office there, and there were many other office people in that building. And as I got to know over the summer, uh, the uh, college student that that returned was working as a receptionist in that building. And and as I passed by, I would stop and try to uh, make a friendship with her. And as she would see me often carrying my Bible, we'd have brief conversations. And one day, she she sat back at her desk chair and she kind of pushed away from her desk, and she saw me carrying my Bible as I left my office. And she scoffed. She said, "Can't you go anywhere without your Bible?" And it was really intended to be a rude comment. There was no body language or anything else that I could interpret it as being anything other than some form of a negative response to the faith life that I was trying to live uh, for myself. In response to persecution, Jesus has this to say in the Sermon on the Mount, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to remind you, as we talked about a few weeks ago, as we began, we've been unpacking the Beatitudes, the really introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to talk to you and remind you about a bit of the structure of just these first 10 verses or so, these first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. This section of Beatitudes, as we've been working through them one by one, there's really what we can look at them as as a group of two, two groups really of four Beatitudes or three Beatitudes with a summation statement. The first set of Beatitudes, as you can see on your monitor now, uh, is pointing to spiritual emptiness And both sets of Beatitudes that we'll look at, just as we look at an overview of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, of the Beatitudes particularly. They have a reference to righteousness. So the first set points to spiritual emptiness. It points to spiritual emptiness. And the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn over their needy condition, those who are meek and hand their cause over into the hands of God. And then that set is summarized with the statement of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it talks about an empty life, a spiritually needy life, a recognition of my spiritual need apart from Jesus. That's the first set of Beatitudes. Now, the second set of the Beatitudes that you'll see on your screen talks about now having been filled with the presence of Christ. The second set of three, it talks about the fullness that comes from the righteousness of of oh God, you see the hunger that is satisfied, satisfied by overflowing mercy, by a purity of heart, and now having because of Jesus, having the power to make peace. And now, because of that, there are moments when, because of that righteousness, when persecution might come. You see, the righteousness that is longed for in that first section of the attitudes is now filled in the second set. Out of that mercy, out of the purity, and out of the peacemaking. And the result is the spilling of life. Jesus promised in John 10, 10, that I have come to give you life, and life to the full. Life that is overflowing, and the result of the righteousness of Christ in you is the fullness of life that we talk about in a recent statement. The fullness of life that we're called to live in, the fullness of life that we are attempting as a church to communicate to the community around us and to invite them also into that fullness of the life of Jesus. But the result also of the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness that only Jesus provides in a life, also sometimes results in persecution because the very righteousness of God at times will invite Persecution, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he says this that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There will be times when you are scoffed at. There will be times when perhaps you experience something on that spectrum of persecution that we looked at. Persecution is a righteousness. In, in other words, for righteousness sake. You see, it's not about getting a response from someone because you've been a jerk to them. That's not persecution, right? If you live your life being a jerk, and guess what? That's not persecution. When you reap the benefit, you reap the reward of being a jerk to people. That's not persecution. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about behaving badly getting a reward for it, getting your just desserts because of your bad behavior. That's not persecution, that's just punishment, right? That's that's the right right idea of punishment. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being persecuted because of your identification with Jesus, because of your alignment with Him, because you are in the kingdom of God, and Jesus is in you, and your life and values begin to be adjusted and become in alignment with God, then persecution the life of a disciple. That's in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, some translations' say, But the parallel verse in 11 describes it because of Jesus. He says, because of me. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. What's it say? Because of me, Jesus says. Because of me. So it's because of the righteousness that Jesus provides in our life. That is what he is talking about. That leads to persecution in our lives sometimes. Jesus, later on in chapter 5, remember verse 21, he says that unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about this righteousness that is the identification of of your life in and with Jesus. You see, the mercy and the purity and the peacemaking talked about in those Beatitudes. This is the righteousness in, in effect in our life. This is the righteous presence of Christ in you that's in effect in your life. When you become a merciful person, you become one who is pure of heart and singularly focused on the living Christ. You're the one who pursues making peace In your world, in your relationships, this is what it means, you see, to be be a disciple of Jesus, to live your life in honor of Jesus. It is your attachment to Jesus, then, that gives you this character, this uniqueness of character that is increasingly like Jesus. The, The Greek dictionary describes persecution, defines it this way. It defines persecution as something to harass. It's to harass someone, especially because of their beliefs. So it's, it's to go about harassing someone because of their beliefs. The word insult uh, here used in, in verse 11 is, is described similarly, but it's described this way, it defined this way, to find fault in a way that demeans someone else. To find fault in a way that demeans the other person. So that's what we're talking about with persecution. So we're not talking about, I've been really ugly to somebody, I've been a jerk to somebody, and now, boy, I'm getting blowback because of that. That's not persecution. Persecution we're talking about is that which comes from, directly because of, our identification with Jesus and the resulting life change that that is bringing in your life. Jesus would reveal some of the root of persecution. Why is persecution even a thing? It's because... God has come into the world he created that has been broken and marred by sin. What he's doing is he's carving out his kingdom within this world. He's carving out a reality of his presence, a a reality of life, lived with Jesus and with other people. And and it's in a posture of looking out at the world and inviting them to come in and be part of what he's doing. But Jesus points to two ideas, two uh, similar concepts that are roots. One root with two different shoots that come out of it that describe persecuting behaviors. He would describe it as loving something that draws our heart away from Jesus. So if we love something that draws our heart away from Jesus, it will naturally, inevitably, turn us toward persecuting someone who loves Jesus or uh, the self-justifying uh, of that love. It's, it's the, the justifying of myself in my love and pursuit of this other thing that is drawing my heart away from Jesus. the so love of something that draws my heart away from Jesus. And then the way that I go about justifying my love for that thing. Here's how he explains it. Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, Jesus says this as he confronts the Pharisees about their love of money. Here's what he says. Just a few verses. He says, No servant no servant can serve two masters. Right? So no one can really have two different masters of your life. This is what he said. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Familiar verse, probably to some of you. But he goes on. In verse 14, in Luke chapter 16, he says, The Pharisees who loved money, the Pharisees who loved money, the Bible says, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. They were scoffing at Jesus. They were making fun at Jesus. This is the same word used when Jesus is hanging on the cross and people would look up at him and they said, Ha ha! He saved others. Why doesn't he save himself? This is the same word used here with the Pharisees who loved money. They heard this and they sneered at Jesus and they said to him, or he, Jesus, said to them, He said, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is to taught there is that they love money more than they love the idea of following Jesus as their leader and Lord. They love money, and because of their love for money, then, they would persecute Jesus, and then they would justify their attitudes, they would justify their behaviors, and that is the root of where persecution is. It lies in loving something instead of Jesus, something that actually draws our heart away from Jesus, While at the same time, justifying that behavior as something that is honoring to God, ironically. John Piper, pastor um, of the Midwest, he, he wrote a list of how a life devoted to righteousness can be persecuted how it can be reviled, how it can be spoken against. He, he created this. I uh, pulled out a couple and adapted uh, some of them. and Here's just kind of put a little practicality on what it means to, to live life in the real world and, and how that might prompt or promote persecution. Um, not because we're being ugly or nasty or uh, provocative in any particular way, just because of the reality of the life change and the the life stance that Jesus draws us into. Here's what John Piper says in a list. He says, If you cherish chastity, your life will call into question the hell of people's love for free sex. If you embrace temperance, your life will be a statement against the love of alcohol. If you live simply and happily, you will show the folly of luxury. If you walk humbly with your God, you will expose the evil of pride. If you speak with compassion, you will throw callousness into sharp belief. If you are spiritually minded, you will expose the worldly mindedness of those around you. So you see how just simply are identifying with Jesus and are following Him in faithfulness to live a life that honors the living Jesus and lives according to the, the the precepts of the scripture, it then can promote just our mere fact of being and being who we are can put into sharp contrast the ways and the thinking of the world around us. And sometimes it will put people to oppose themselves to you because of what you stand for and who you are as a follower of Jesus. That's what persecution is. So Jesus also, he calls it blessedness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So how are we to respond if we find ourselves on that spectrum of persecution? How are we to respond when we are denigrated? How are we to respond? Well, one of the responses Jesus gives to us is to rejoice. Rejoice. <laughs> About, to rejoice, blessed are those when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Who can say such a thing? This sort of counsel seems like somebody who's a total novice of life, someone who is totally Pollyannaish in the way he or she looks at life, always with rose-colored glasses. Is this what Jesus is? Does he not really understand the pain of persecution? The discomfort of being denigrated? It seems like counsel that comes from someone who's never tasted the bitter tears from a soul that screams out in pain. Someone who's naive or insensitive or even an ivory tower theologian. Doesn't it seem like that? It just seems so glib and flippant. Rejoice and Be glad. So it's either coming from the lips of someone who is naive about life, who just doesn't get life, who's never experienced the reality or the depths of pain or shame or humiliation that you might have experienced, or I guess the other option might be, I suppose, someone who has really experienced something, someone who has really experienced something deeply, someone who really has insight into something greater and bigger And and more wonderful than you and I have ever encountered in all of our living and breathing life. This is the Jesus who is telling us in the midst of persecution to rejoice and be glad because indeed Jesus has experienced something far greater. He knows the greater reward that comes and is waiting. He knows something more. i far greater reward that is waiting for you, the greater the sacrifice, you see, the greater the reward. Keep your heart, Jesus says, not only just to rejoice, but to keep your heart focused in heaven. That's the only way that we can navigate through persecution. When the heat is turned up, the only way we can navigate through it is to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on heaven. And here's the question, do you desire the reward of heaven? More than you desire the reward of the world. You see, if we get so caught up in pursuing the reward of the world, then the reward of heaven over time begins to tarnish in our eyes. It begins to diminish in our eyes. It it begins to lose its luster and no longer becomes something that is magnificent to us. It is something that is a burden and forgetful. And that is such a shame. Jesus wants us to fix our hearts in heaven. This is why uh, what is so profoundly marks the difference in Christian funerals or memorial services from those who are non-Christian. And I perform both. I perform memorial services for both believing people and, and their family and church family and unbelieving people. And I tell you, sister and brother, there is a stark difference in these memorial services because and only because of the hope of heaven because and only because of the reward promised for those who have given their trust and faith into the hands of Jesus, for those who have confessed their sin and, and entered into the kingdom of God through what Jesus has done on the cross and, and trusting and believing in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. You see, they now have this concrete sense of what is to come by their faith and trust that the words of Jesus are true. And that the death of the cross paid the price that his resurrection from the dead validated that he really is able to overcome death, not just his. forever devoid of the presence of God. A place of misery and a place of suffering and a place of sadness. Not the reward of heaven. So keep your hearts fixed in heaven. Fixed in the coming of Jesus. Fixed in the work, and completed work of Jesus. He goes on to talk about how the prophets were also uh, 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 We should remember the prophets because that's how they were also treated. Uh, I would recommend to you that you go back regularly and read Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and read that regularly in your life and celebrate the history, the faithfulness of the men and women who have gone before you. The men and women who stood often in the face of of great challenges, often as a, a, a vocal minority in the midst of their own people, trying to point others back to God. Them to repentance and a true and lasting faith. Finally, today I would encourage you to pray for persecuted believers. How do we respond to the face of persecution? We are to rejoice and be glad, and we do that by fixing our hearts in heaven and keeping our hearts fixed there for the reward that awaits us in the full presence and wonder of Jesus. We're to remember the prophets, remember the heroes of faith, remember those in your family perhaps that have provided an example for you, and then to be praying for persecuted believers. Praying for persecuted believers, even in in your community, that might be struggling in their workplaces because they're being harassed today, right here in Ring County, because of their faith, or in the Bay Area or wherever you live. And all the way across the spectrum of persecution, those who, who live in the most dangerous countries on the planet, Because of their faith, those who are in prison today because of their faith, those who are separated from their families because of their faith, those today who are facing death and execution because of their faith, pray for them. You might go and and look at websites like Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs, two great websites that, that gives information and updates about the persecuted church around the world and ideas of how you can be in prayer for them. Sister brother, this is a real topic in our day, in our life, and probably an increasing one in the future. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, the righteousness that comes from Jesus, the filling of our empty spiritual life, the full life that comes, and at times persecution will accompany it. You, sister and brother, are to rejoice and be glad because of the reward that awaits you as you fix your heart in heaven and keep it there. Because great, great is our God. Living God, we thank you. We lift our hearts and our minds up to you today. We thank you that even in the midst of challenges, in the midst of persecution today, You're a God who is with us, you go with us through these trials. You you were with Jesus, Uh, Jesus in the midst of of the Garden of Gethsemane is he he stressed, full of stress, and prayed this prayer uh, of asking that this cup be dealt passed away from him, but he also said, not my Shy away, shrink away, God. Give us your strength that we might stand. Stand in your strength, covered in your armor. God, be your presence in the world around us. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of you, Jesus, in our life. But God, willing to live our lives quietly, Unobtrusively, with great winsomeness, help us to live our lives with joy, the joy of Jesus. And may that joy that spills out even if persecution comes our way, may the joy that overflows from us, may that be a demonstration to the world that you are our true Lord and that your life really is full in us and can be in our persecution. May we not return evil with evil, but may we return evil with good. May we not uh, treat our enemies as enemies and treat them with hate and violence, but may we treat our enemies with love and that we shower them with good deeds, God. And I pray that you work in my heart and all of our hearts in this way for the glory of your son Jesus. We pray it now. Amen. Amen.